This is Coach Chris Holtman. You're listening to Drive the Lane Podcast. Welcome back to Drive the Lane. A little doomy and gloomy recording this after the Ohio State-Wisconsin game. Right after. Right after. (laughs) But we'll cheer you up with a great interview with David Lighty. And football season being 100% in the rearview mirror means you're tuning in for more basketball stuff. So we're going to kind of give you a little bit of a full Big Ten breakdown, not just Ohio State basketball. And then, like I said, we'll get to David Lighty. But first, Big Ten breakdown. We're on the field of 68, presented by Bet Rivers. Joey, let's start towards the bottom of the Big Ten. couple teams down there. Don't really excite me a whole lot. Ohio State beat Northwestern, but, you know, I'm looking more at the Maryland-Nebraska duo down at the bottom of the standings. I mean, what do you think about those two teams right now? Yeah, I mean, Maryland, what stands out is the coaching change. Excuse me. Just spit up all over myself. The coaching (laughs) change in the middle of the season, obviously that makes it really, really hard. Also, I don't think Danny Manning is a great coach from what I've heard. I don't really know much about the Maryland team, but that's just tough. Like, that's just a season killer. Um terms of nebraska every year it's the same thing with football and with basketball like they got the talent and they got the new coach and they got the shiny coach and i'm a big hoiberg fan because you know me and his son go way back but like they've got talent but nothing's happening with it so it'll be interesting they're a dangerous team like i think they can almost win every single night especially at home but those two teams are are you know just minor speed bumps on, on the big 10 schedule Moving to the next three teams, uh, it's a little interesting. You know, you got Northwestern, who has Boo Booey, who is leading the the whole conference in assists, played a real close game against Ohio State in the second half. And then Minnesota, who's struggled a little bit, but played Michigan State on the road real close last night. Those are perfect examples of like, hey, don't take anyone lightly in the Big Ten. But then even more of that is Iowa, who overall is a great record, 11, 11 and four, struggling in the Big Ten, one and three. But they got a bunch of guys. They have the best scorer, arguably, in the country, Keegan Murray, and Jordan Bohannon. That's some great leadership. He's played a few games where, like, they could be not just any Big Ten team, but, like, wouldn't be crazy to sprinkle five bucks on them money line against anyone. Right. No, 100%. I mean, you think of Northwestern and Minnesota. They played great in the non-conference and they put themselves in a position to with a solid big 10 season to make the NCAA tournament. And that could happen. And I do think that those two teams will play just about every single team tough in the big 10. So they're not quite in the Nebraska, Maryland category, so to speak right now, but they're also going to be fighting probably until the very end to make sure that they're not in the first four um, playing in that first game for the big 10 tournament. So they're interesting, but not super scary as we saw in Northwestern, gave us their best shot, and it was still basically a 10-point game the whole time uh, against us. Uh, Iowa is, you're exactly right, a step up from them, purely based on the fact that they can score with any single team in the country. Uh, Keegan Murray's unbelievable. Um, Gordon Bohannon obviously been there, done that. You go down the line with their guards, Toussaint. You know, they don't – you know, you got the McCaffrey brothers who do a great job as well. They're an interesting team, a veteran team as well, kind of. Guys who are young but have been there, it's a little bit of a weird dynamic for them. Um, but Iowa just – they they can score 95 every single night, so they're going to be in every single game. They're going to make the NCAA tournament, and just like you said, they're going to be a scary team to play in not only the Big Ten tournament but in the big dance as well. And I'll, I'll 
tell you this about Iowa. They have they have three losses. Here they are. Okay, Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin. So go. take care of business when you're supposed to take care of business, and they'll be you know fighting for a, a top four seed come the end of a Big Ten play, like they are really every year. Hundred percent. All right, next is a team that's on pause, but who knows what's going on with them, which is Michigan. Not really enough data yet. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously we aren't the biggest fans of Michigan on this show uh, or in real life, but like they've had a pretty disappointing year. Right before they went on pause, they lost a couple of games to teams that they should probably win. You know, it, obviously like going on the road against UCF, right, is on paper a game that you should win, but obviously – it's hard to win on the road, especially when like UCF isn't going to play a team like Michigan the rest of the year. So their fans are showing out, blah, 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 whatever. But they've been a disappointment. They were preseason top five in the entire country. Dickinson is awesome. Doesn't have a ton around him. They're really, really young. Their guards are not great. Eli Brooks isn't the guy that can kind of like take you to the promised land. He's a solid big 10 player, but you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, there's a, there's much to be desired from Michigan. They just, they haven't proven it quite yet. Um, it, it'll be really interesting for them when they come off the pause. Cause we've seen it with Ohio state. We've struggled to find our footing. We finally got some sort of our footing against Northwestern, but then tonight came out and it was kind of another stinker for the majority of the game. So it'll be interesting. Um, it, they are interesting. I'm, I'm, you know, it, it remains to be seen for them. The next part of the standings are where you start talking about tournament teams. A few you'd say are locks and a few you'd say all, you know, all the rest are locks, if not final four contenders, like I'm sure you're going to say. Well, I mean, do you think like, like Rutgers and Penn state final four contenders? No, but I mean, I, I consider Penn state to almost be in that below yeah. portion. I, I don't, I mean, they're not, I, I was thinking more of like, in the grand scheme of things, but yes, yeah. I mean, if we're looking at the standings, Penn state is above a Michigan is above an Iowa, but which teams are better? Obviously we would agree that Definitely Iowa. Is Iowa. Yeah. So Penn state, well, but then, but then you get, you know, Indiana and Rutgers who really, and I were skipping Purdue because we, you know, we're kind of both in agreement that they belong towards the top, but like Indiana and Rutgers are both teams that like, if they beat Ohio state, which Indiana did, no one is going to be shocked. No one's going to be surprised if they're at the top of the conference at the end of the year. And Indiana's playing Iowa tonight, and we could very well be looking at Indiana as a top 20 team at the end of this week. Right. And, and you know, Penn State is Penn State. They'll always be Penn State. They play really, really hard. It's tough to win at Penn State, but they're just not super talented. Brand new coaching staff. We'll see how the rest of the season goes for them. Um, you're spot on about Indiana. Like the fact that they are the best defensive team, in the big Ten goes a long, long way, especially with a team that kind of, you know, Indiana struggles a lot offensively. If they were better on offense, they'd be one of the best teams in the entire big 10, if not the country. Um, you know, they've got two of the best bigs in the conference, race Thompson, trace Jackson Davis, trace Jackson Davis will be a first team big 10 player. He's a stud. We saw it firsthand against Ohio state. They are competing to make the NCAA tournament for the first time in a long time. And I think they'll do it this year. Um, and they're good, but they'll go as far as their guards will take them. Their guard play is just really average. So we'll see what happens with them. Rutgers is a team that I always have a special place in my heart for just because they were the lovable losers for so long. And now they are an awesome team. Uh, Steve Peichel is awesome. They haven't had Geo Baker for most of the year, and they're still contending in these incredible games and beating Michigan when Michigan was actually good before they kind of dropped off and stuff like that. So 
I, I like the Rutgers team. Talk about defense. They're always going to bring it as well. They're always going to play harder than the team they're playing against. And they are talented. You know, they've got NBA players on that team. Uh, you know, Ron Harper Jr. is is a top-tier Big Ten player. So uh, those two teams are NCAA tournament or bust. If they don't make it, it's not a successful season. And they've, they've started off pretty strong in the Big Ten. So when you look at Purdue, Illinois, and Michigan State, or yeah, Purdue, Illinois, and Michigan State, I think, you know, we both – We've talked about this before. We think Purdue is the best overall team there between Ivy and Edie and and uh, um, Williams. Williams, and but I I think Kofi is the hardest player to stop in the Big Ten, and he's proven it to open the stretch of Big Ten play. There's obviously interesting matchups coming up, but like down the stretch, it, it's crazy how much confidence I personally have in like Kofi's going to get a bucket. Or if the other team misses, Kofi's going to get a rebound. Like he is just doing it again, year after year after year. I just think, I think that you know, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State, Purdue are all similar, and whoever has the best tournament of the stars on each of those teams is going to be in the best position. Yeah, you know the three teams that you mentioned, you know Illinois, Purdue, Michigan State. Two of those teams have dominant dominant forces Zach Eady had against Wisconsin had 20 points and 12 rebounds in 10 minutes or, or in or 24 points 12 rebounds in 20 minutes like that's insane uh, obviously Kofi's been doing this his whole entire time at Illinois now he kind of makes makes free throws as well um, my thing for Kofi will always be how good is he at passing out of the post because he's going to get doubled a ton he's done a way better job this year you know They've got the best transfer in the entire country and plumber who I, he is the number one guy on my list of, if this guy's shooting, I think it's going in. Then you got Trent Frazier. Who's been there, done that forever. They should have his Jersey retired at Illinois. He's unbelievable. And one of my favorite guys in the big 10 and Oh yeah. Curbelo, who was a first team, all big 10 player hasn't even played yet this year. They might be better without him. Um, Illinois is awesome. And I think that when it's all said and done, they will be one of the top three teams in the big 10. Um, Purdue is Purdue. They're unbelievable. Edie, Ivy, Travion Williams, uh, Stefanovic. You just go down the line. They're so unbelievably deep. They've got great freshmen. They've got great young guys. They've got great guards. They are the most complete team in the Big Ten, and they're the team that I would trust the most to make a Final Four, win a championship out of all the Big Ten teams. Uh, And then Michigan State is, you know, I've said this over and over again, but Michigan State is Michigan State. They are, they were unranked at the beginning of the year. Tom Izzo said that was like a slap in the face to him, which is hilarious because, uh, you know, God forbid Tom Izzo gets unranked to start a season, but he's proven him wrong. I mean, Max Christie, the guard from our neck of the woods, uh, is the best freshman guard in the Big Ten. And then you've got Gabe Brown, who's playing it. They always have that wing that's playing at a really, really high level right now. It's Gabe Brown, who I think has scored 20 points in three straight games. Bingham is stepping into a bigger role. Their point guard situation is getting figured out. Hogard had an unbelievable pass to Hauser to beat Minnesota uh, the other night. Uh, for me, it, it's just they don't have the firepower. They don't have the star power quite yet. I think Christie and Gabe Brown brings that, but, like, they don't have that, you know, they don't have that Cassius Winston and Nick Ward. They don't have, like, these in, in established studs yet. So that's the difference, but I still think they're a top 15 team in the country, which is incredible. But when it's all said and done, those three teams that I just mentioned are definitely in the top five best teams in the Big Ten. That fifth spot or that fourth spot, I should say, is between 
the last two teams, obviously, we haven't mentioned Ohio State and Wisconsin. I, I will say this about Wisconsin. I think it could be similar to last year where Io won player of the year and Luca Garza won big 10 player of the year. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Johnny Davis ends up winning player of the year, but Kofi's the big 10 player of the year. You know, like he, he, he just, he didn't have a great game tonight and they won, which is like very scary for the rest of the big 10 and the rest of the country. But I mean, you mentioned that Purdue game when Edie had 30 and 30, well, Johnny Davis had 37 and they won. So like he, he's incredible. Yeah, Johnny Davis, I think if the season ended today, he would be first-team All-American and Big Ten Player of the Year um, over Kofi just because Wisconsin wasn't supposed to be as good as Illinois. You know what I mean? Like, that's uh, Johnny Davis is just more of a surprise. And while Kofi does carry a significant load, I think Johnny Davis carries a little bit of more of a load, especially because he's got the ball in his hands the whole game. You know, Kofi has to be fed, right, and put in a position to score. Whereas Johnny Davis is just hitting threes, beating guys off the dribble and rebounding at an incredibly high level. It, it, Wisconsin is, is great. And they were not good against Ohio state last time around, but they're figuring it out. And obviously it was from, it was a boat race from start to finish. It, we, we were talking about it before we recorded, we Ohio state felt like they didn't have a chance with, with 10 minutes left in the first half, which is kind of remarkable. Um, but I, I just think that Wisconsin is really, really good. They're proving it night in and night out. And tonight, what separates them is when they get that third scoring option on offense because they're great on defense. They don't turn the ball over. That's the staples of Wisconsin, and that keeps them in every single game. But truth of the matter is, if Davison and Johnny Davis both have off nights, they need to have someone else to help out. And even if it really is if one of those two guys has an off night, and that was Tyler Wall tonight, and I think he's the key. There's no doubt about it. Um, But it's just – Davison and Johnny Davis are as good of guards as you have in the Big Ten, uh, and they're playing like it right now. And tonight, especially against Ohio State, it's tough to win on the road, but like Wisconsin proved that they're a really, really good team tonight with exactly what you said, Johnny Davis not playing that great. And it's it's amazing. Here's my here's my concern with Ohio State. All right. Concern, Andrew. Only my one con- concern. My my biggest concern is okay. all these other Big Ten teams have a veteran and also a younger guy that might be better than the veteran on the team, or at least can put up points. We, we saw some signs of it from Malachi Branham, but like EJ Liddell is kind of both for Ohio state. Like if you take EJ Liddell out of the game. He's like the youngest veteran in the big 10. Like everyone's like, Oh, this guy is a freshman. It's like, no, this is his, this is his third year. Right. Like Kyle young, if he was averaging like, like 11 and, and 10 or whatever, 11, eight, you'd be like, all right, they have both. But like, if you take EJ Liddell out of the game, either he's not playing well, or like tonight literally fouled out a game. You literally took him out of the game. It's like, they don't have that established second person to go to like Davison is having his best year, but they also have, have Johnny Davis, you know, Kofi Frazier, you know, it's like, yeah, All these teams have that second guy that, okay, Kofi's missing shots around the rim. Kofi's in foul trouble. Okay, we have other guys. We have Plummer. We have other guys that we can go to. And obviously, Purdue has, has like three guys. Michigan State, while they don't have like a star like you were saying, the balance at the top is a little more balanced than Ohio State. So my biggest concern is Malachi is having a freshman few games 
like he had at the beginning of the year, like he may go into at some point again, and EJ's not playing great, like where do you turn to? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a concern, sure. I guess there are way bigger concerns than yeah. I would say. I mean, it's, it, you know, it, you know your, your point is, is true, but also you got to look at the fact that, you know, like not many teams have a Big Ten player of the year on their team as well, you know, so it's like, it's it's tough, but you're right. I, I think that Ohio State. You could argue there's five Big Ten right. Player of the Years candidates totally. this year. Totally, and I I would argue that Ohio State kind of resembles more of like the Michigan State model, right? Where you get it in bits and pieces from Zed Key, Jamari Wheeler, Justin Arns, and Malachi Branham, and Michi Johnson, who didn't even play tonight. And we get bits and pieces, and depending on the game. But to me, it's. It, Ohio State and Holtman, we they've always held their hat on defense. You know, like they've always hung their hat on defense. And this year, and last year, and the year before, it's like it's just different. It's it's just different. Really, last year and this year, it's just different. Um, you know, I think back to the games like my junior and senior year where we were struggling on offense but we were in every single game and now it's like, we have to score with teams in order to be in every single game. You know, we, we scored 95 against Northwestern and only win by eight. Like that's not good. Um, well, remember we talked about, I, I remember sitting at your house and we looked up like the last few big 10 player of the year winners. And I think Frank Kaminsky was the most recent one to average over 20 a game or maybe even, and now there's like multiple, multiple guys in the big 10 averaging over 20 a game yeah. so it's you're you're dead on with like if you can't score it, it it's not like big 10 of old where that's you know fine exactly it's they, they talked about on the broadcast you know it used to be like 45 to 55 games you know like 60 was like oh my god we're blowing the roof off this place and now it's teams are scoring in the 80s and the 90s i mean it's just it's a different brand of basketball we've definitely adapted to it and 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 that's great but at some point, what Coach Mahdi used to say, you got to draw a line in the sand. Like, all right, we've we've given up too much. Like, we are we're digging our heels in, and we're gonna guard some people, man. Because it's it, I always talk about how rebounding and turning the ball over; those are the two most important things, and that's true. But like on a game like tonight, it just seemed like we got outplayed and out toughed, and that just can't happen. And it just can't happen. And and a really good way to fix both of those at the same time is locking in and playing better on defense. And and it'll happen. Like, I'm not worried about it. I know Diebler is our defensive guy, and he's as good of a basketball mind as I've ever been around. But it's just it's just weird that, that we are not winning games with our defense. It's just weird. It's different, and we'll be fine. Uh, EJ's awesome. Malachi's really stepping into a big-time role. Uh, Justin Arns hasn't been himself for the last six games. He'll get it figured out. Like we're fine. It's tough to win on the road. We we're running into a really hot Wisconsin team who was out for blood because we beat the brakes off they them ran last into time. a wall. They ran into a wall. They ran into a Tyler wall. You know, it just, it is what it is. I still think Ohio state is a top five team in the big time. I think when justice suing comes back, they will be arguably the, 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 one of the, one of, if not the best teams in the big time, if they, if we get the stuff figured out, but definitely a top five, top two, three team in the big time the way we're kind of trending, we just got to get our legs underneath them. I'm just a little nervous. And, and this is something that, again, we talked about before we started recording. Uh, Mark Titus texted me during the game and said, COVID ruined our season. And that's what I'm nervous about is that we don't get the momentum that we had before the COVID pause. 
and and we just drag ourselves all the way through the Big Ten tournament and we win one game in the NCAA tournament and call the day. I'm just worried that we don't get our momentum back. Uh, and we'll see what happens. I mean, the, the, the rest of the country has spoken. Like Seth Greenberg, who like is a really good friend of ours, like he thinks Ohio State with Justice Suing is a top two, may, maybe top two team in the Big Ten, arguably. Like once Justice comes back, and he will by the end of this month, that's what I'm hearing, they take it to another notch. He's great on defense. He's another asset on offense. He's another facilitator so Jamar Lee Wheeler doesn't have to handle the ball the whole game. Like, we'll be good. It sucks right now, but we all need to take a collective deep breath because we will be fine. Let's right the ship against Penn State on Sunday, I think. They play Penn State on Sunday. And, like, we didn't even talk about the Indiana game last week, did we? I mean, like, that was the ultimate stinker of all stinkers, which that happens in the Big Ten. And I hope fans understand that we had a stinker at Indiana. That's much better than having a stinker at home against Penn State on Sunday, right? So, like, lock it in. Deep breath. We'll be fine. Missing Michi was huge. I'm not worried. But, like, holy, they're drag racing outside my apartment, and it was really loud, but we're – yeah. There's some there's some big upcoming games in the, in the Big Ten. I was just kind of – clicking through and like next week we get Purdue versus Illinois, which is a great game. We get Purdue versus Indiana, which if Indiana beats Iowa tonight, and and I think they have another game this weekend, like they will be ranked and, and they will be, you know, potentially ranked higher than Ohio state, depending on how things shake out. And there's just a bunch of potential good matchups, but what's great about the big 10 is, is you play everyone twice. So, Hey, Ohio State lost to uh, Ohio State lost to Indiana. Next time you play them, make it right. Cancel it out. Just like Wisconsin is is rectified rectified the loss to Ohio State. So that's the beauty of uh, conference play. The beauty of college basketball, Andrew. Any night, anyone can win. It's tough to win on the road. Take it with a grain of salt. This is one of the best coaching staffs in the entire country. We'll get it figured out. I'm not worried. You're not worried. David Lighty's not worried. I feel like it's, you know, we go from Brad Davison, a guy who's played for a thousand years, and Jordan Bohannon because they're playing Indiana tonight, uh, two of the guys who are the oldest players to ever play basketball who took the torch from the guy who we had on today. So I feel like it's, it's good timing to kind of throw it to David Lighty probably, right? Yeah, let's get over to him. He, uh, he light the way for uh, – that doesn't work. Never mind. <laughs> We're lighting the way for him to come on to the episode now. He's a light at the end of the tunnel of our Big Ten talk. There we go. That's good. <laughs> All right. Joining us now on Drive the Lane. Until players were allowed to play six and seven years, the most games played in NCAA history for D1, Ohio State legend David Lighty. Dave. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate y'all having me. We've been trying to make this happen. I finally got a little free time. So my bad for that one. But thanks, man. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, good things come to people who wait. So so we're good. We're good. All good on this. I know you're a busy guy. Dave, I, we just talked about it. Did we? I hope we didn't break the news that you, as of like literally yesterday, are not the all-time leader in games played for Division One history. Did did you know that? Were you tweeted at? Did you get a call from Jordan Bohannon? I mean, like, what's going on? <laughs> I think I, I need a little call or something, a letter, a little email just expressing 
you know, the gratitude for everything. But uh, yeah, everybody was throwing tweets at me. I'm like, what is this? What is this? But hey, man, longevity. Can't, can't knock that. However things go, however it was now with the rules. Hey, if you're playing, you're playing. Go out there and get it done. That's how I feel. So we we posted a tweet today and said, can anyone guess who's on the show with us tonight? Here's a hint. He played in two decades. But some people played in two decades, like EJ Liddell played in 2019, and now he's playing. What else? You <laughs> played in 2006 and, and 2011. So my yeah. question to you is, can you name every single teammate you had at Ohio State? Every team? Every teammate. <laughs> every teammate? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, I'm just Yo, kidding. that <laughs> is tough. You probably every- do have the record for – I will say, actually, I was going to say you got the record for most teammates, but, like, at the same time, you played with dudes for multiple years, right? So, like, it's almost – it almost canceled each other out, whereas – Oh, after a certain uh, yeah, but everybody was leaving, too. I had a lot of one and done. Well, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, you had the good kind of leaving teammates, whereas with me, I feel like I had 100 teammates, but that was because they were all transferring or getting kicked off the team or whatever the case may be. So, a little bit different dynamic. We both know a thing or two about playing with with a bunch of different guys, but before we dive into your OSU career, which we could ask you 100,000 questions about, give the Mm -hmm. people a quick Dave Lighty update where you're at, how many years overseas you've been playing for the people who – haven't heard from you since TBT. Give give them a quick update. I see. Well, they say I was in college forever. This is really forever. This is my 11th year now uh, playing professional overseas for Asvel in Lyon, France. Um, I've been here for seven years of my career. So I would basically say this is my uh Ohio State for my pro career <laughs> if you could say and I'll probably end up retiring here so um basically I'm I'm a Frenchman for the last you know 12 to 15 years of my, of my life but I played in Italy for two years and then just here in France so uh it's been amazing man and still continue to play and be blessed uh for the game of basketball to take me all around the world and have the connections you were just talking about all the teammates you know a lot of those guys I, I still keep in contact with so it's literally uh a lifetime brotherhood uh you know coming coming from Ohio State so uh just trying to keep going as long as I can till my body tell me sit down somewhere well you've had a very successful career over there a couple MVPs couple championships what what are the championship numbers up to now how many have you won I like I like to win, man. If people know me, they know that one. I like to win, but it's it's strange because here it's like you're playing for three or four trophies each year. So you got the French league, which is the domestic league I play in. Then with that league, we have the French Cup, was just a tournament throughout the season. And then uh, we have it's called the Disney's the the Leader Cup, the Leaders Cup. It's like having the Big Ten tournament but in the middle of the season. So the top eight teams, we go to Disneyland in Paris, they set up this big basketball court and you play for a trophy. And then we have our Euro league that we play in. If we win the championship, we get a trophy. So each year I'm possible winning probably four or five trophies. So I got, I want to say like 12 total, something like that. So I've got uh, four French championships 
So I, I guess that would be the one to gauge from since this is the league that I played in the most. So, so one thing that I always think that's fascinating about guys who were great college basketball players that go overseas, obviously you have a ton of teammates who are foreign, whether they're from France or from Italy, like you said, in the different countries that you played, but you also play with some of the best guys that you played against in college. Uh, and I want to know who you're not necessarily your favorite teammate, but the best player that we would know from being an incredible college basketball player um, that you've either gone up against or played with overseas. Oh my goodness. It's, it's so many guys, literally I've had teammates, Norris Cole. That's my guy from Ohio. I've known him since high school. Uh, Jordan Taylor from Wisconsin. He was my point guard here. It's been so many guys, even going back to my freshman year when we lost to Florida, Torian Green. He was my point guard here as well. So it's it's crazy, like you just said. It's it's too many today. <laughs> I couldn't just name one. It would be too hard for sure. Do you ever play with someone, and you might not be doing this anymore, maybe it's changed to comparing to – you know, early on in your professional career. But when you were first starting out playing, was there anyone that you were like, man, this guy plays a lot like this guy that I played with at Ohio State? Or I really feel like I have good chemistry with this guy because he does this, which I got to do at Ohio State. Oh, for sure. I mean, that those have been the teams where you've been the most successful because you, you fit, you know. that's And that's what I've been lucky with being here. Uh, I found a team that lets me play my game and I fit their system. And uh, it, it's like... New guys come and go here and there, but we all try to fit that puzzle each year. So uh, for sure, I've been taking that that every year since since I've been playing. Well, obviously, we we're excited about your pro career. You know, you say you're going to retire soon, but who? And that's knowing you, that's probably not true. Um, we have got it. We got to talk Ohio State. Obviously, that's why we're here. Um, and, and, and we'll hey, win. <laughs> no exactly and and we'll talk about the current team we will we'll get to it but we got to talk about your time at Ohio State as long as it was and as great as it was and we'll start at the beginning what do you remember about your early years getting recruited by Ohio State coming to Ohio State those first those first few months on campus all that fun stuff oh my goodness you're taking it back 2000 quickly, quickly 2003 that's a long time ago <laughs> John Gross coming to watch me play football games when I was in high school, wanted, wanted me to play. But they were at Xavier then. That's the crazy part. So Coach Mata and him uh, were always down at my high school at St. Joe's. And um, I basically knew everyone on the football team at Ohio State that was coming from Glenville because that's where I grew up, basically. And then um, Greg and Mike and Daquan came into the picture. We all played in the all-star games and then AAU growing up, went down to a football game and it was just, it was over. Like they, they took my heart after that. <laughs> I mean, I already loved Ohio state, but they, they really reeled me in with that one. So, uh, going back to that year, literally to make it to a national championship as a freshman, I was kind of spoiled and just to be a part of it, you know, actually contribute to, to wins and things like that. It was, uh, kind of like what set the standard in my mind for uh, Ohio State, the uh, basketball, basically, and trying to get us to a level that we, we felt we were capable of. And um, 
everyone left after that. So the next year was an eye opener. We had a little struggle my sophomore year, uh, but we ended up strong, ended up winning the NIT. So uh, I think we kind of used that momentum to, to kickstart everything. We got in the gym that summer and everybody just worked. Uh, every guy that came in was basically on board and, you know, guys basically became a family. And uh, I think after that, it just showed on the basketball court. And till this day now, as you can see with the TBT, we, we really did become a family. And I think from uh, what was that, my sophomore year until my senior year, we had that core of uh, myself, Dallas Lauderdale, Evan, uh, John Diebler, William Buford, and then a lot of guys coming in and out, of course, and then Kraft and Sully at the end. Uh, I think we kind of underachieved a little bit. We had a little couple slip-ups in the tournament, but that's the beauty of, of college basketball, man. You you, you got to earn it. Uh, you know, looking back on things for sure, I wish we could have had maybe two more Final Fours that that we could have could have reeled in. But uh, I loved every bit of it, man, and I, I will my buck out of heart uh, for always. I would ask you to pick a favorite game, but you've played in a lot of those. That might be tough, but do you have a <laughs> – do you have a year that you were like, all right, this was my favorite year. Like we did this, this, and that we got this far. We won this. Oh my goodness. That's funny. That one of my favorite years would probably be the year I got hurt actually. And I didn't even play, but just on and off the court, the, the guys, the experiences and everything that we did and so many different moments that we had. So I think that was 2008-2009. I think that was that year that I broke my foot that um just to kind of like sit back enjoy college and enjoy basketball and watching my guys grow and all of us becoming, you know, better. Uh I think that was probably one of the best years for me. Even though we didn't even win that much. We we got kicked in the mouth a couple times, but it made us that much hungry. I was gonna say it must be nice when when you're injured on the bench and you know that in a tough loss you don't have to wake up the next day and 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 run <laughs> and practice and you're like you know what like man this is a great learning experience like it's just hey day I got to see from the other side so for sure <laughs> definitely no I I think one thing that is a common theme with you because we've had Diebler on we've had Et on you know we've had Sully on. And we always ask the questions about your favorite years and your favorite teammates and guys that you still talk to and, and all that fun stuff. And your name is always brought up more often than not first, really, especially with ET. Um, and obviously that's because you're a great teammate and you also were a leader for so many different years. And my question surrounding that is, is kind of why, why you like, what's your makeup that, that makes everyone gravitate towards you and makes the coaches love you so much, and and why why David Lighty? That's a great question. I've really never been asked that question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's my my just my outlook on things, my my attitude, my upbeatness, uh, my optimism. I'm I'm very optimistic. I'm always uh, thinking of a, a better thing or thinking of things could be worse or something like that. That's, that's always me. I'm on the bright side. I, I don't, I don't do bad days is what coach Mata would say. So uh, I think I kind of took on that mentality of just living life, man, being free, go out, work hard. We got to enjoy it while we can. And I think I take that in all aspects of life for me. And I don't know they just, 
gives off good vibes, I want to say, and uh, just have have great connections with a lot of guys, man. It's it's been crazy the the when you look back over the years, like you just said, all the way back to. 2003 that I was I was meeting guys like Mike and Greg and Daquan to still have the same uh you know friendship and thing like that is I think that's a, a great thing in, in this time and day and age as Joey mentioned you are in everybody's version of this but if you're making your starting five out of your teammates obviously you're putting yourself in it who who are the other four? Who are you surrounding? Oh, yourself? no, I can't put myself in it. We got too many good players. Right? <laughs> That's fine. You can, you can be coming off the bench. You got a foot injury, so you're you're out. I can come off the bench or be a player coach or something like that, yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. it's Oh, it's crazy. It's so many players. It's so many players. Hey, you. Uh, we need a five out of you. you however you want to do it. Starting five. Greg at the five. Sully at the four. Uh, that team right there is pretty good already. <laughs> Et at three, like point forward ish. Um, dag, it's it's tough. Willie Buford at the two. Then the one is Chris. Two. What do I do? Where do I go? You got I so guess many I, options. Mike, Mike Conley at the one. You really do have. You, Dave Lighty, have the best era of Ohio State basketball. You know what I mean? Like you touch. We had Sam on last week, and Sam, and Sam touched, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Sully. You know, like those two eras. But like you've got Greg Oden. My, I was, I was saying like literally, we were, we were literally like the beginning of trying to bring it back to you know the old days of Havlicek and those guys. So. For sure. I mean, I got, I think it's eight first round draft picks I was in school with in five years. So that's already spread yeah. around here to there. It's, it's insane because like there are guys that we don't even talk about, even there's like Ohio State fans, you know, guys like Costa Kufos, right? Like, I mean, just guys. Yeah, go DJ Mullins again right, right. there. So, exactly. Oh. Like, like guys that we don't talk about that were first round draft picks and, and you still make these starting fives and you don't even consider the seven foot freak of nature. Like it's just it's pretty remarkable. People don't people don't talk about Ohio State enough in terms of like great college basketball program. You can go back to freshman year. Ron Lewis was a leading scorer in the NCAA tournament. Like we, it's so many players to toss in and out of that mix. It's tough for do, sure. Do you, do you know my Ron Lewis story? Have I ever told you my? No. <laughs> We've told it on the podcast before. It's so embarrassing and so funny for other people to hear, but. I was, this was going into my senior year at Ohio state and, or, or going into my junior year, I'm sorry, with the new staff. And like, I'm out there trying to prove myself, right? Like this staff doesn't know me. There's a ton of playing time open and I'm mm -hmm. a good college basketball player. They bring in Andrew Dockage. I'm like, well, I'm better than him. Like I'm I, I, like, I should get an opportunity to play. So, and we're playing open gym in the summer and the coaches are watching, of course. Um, and, and obviously the old guys are there as well. And that's who mm -hmm. we're playing with. That's who we're playing against. There's two courts going, the whole deal. Um, the good old day. The, <laughs> <laughs> right, but that's me now, so I can't. But um, the, the walk-ons, obviously, we're always the first guy that is off. And, and that's fine. Like, I've never – I'm always a team guy. Like, I'm not – like, the, the freshmen that come in should get time versus me. But when there are guys that I don't know who they are that, like, 
ET is bringing in or whoever, that's where, oh, I'm, like, okay. that's I where I'm like, all right, bro. Like, I, I want to be on the court and play with my teammates. Like, I'm not yeah, here yeah. sitting on the sideline shooting free throws. Anyway, who this guy is out there and he's playing a ton and I'm sitting on the side and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Like, went up to Ron Lewis? <laughs> no, I didn't go up to him. I didn't go up to him. Oh. But then he turns around and walks off the court and I'm like, fuck, that's Ron Lewis. And I just am talking all this shit. And oh, you didn't. Oh, okay, I got. Not to him. He probably heard me. He probably heard me, but not to him. And I was just frustrated. I was not. I'm not a mean guy. I'm not. I don't have an ego. Like I. And so, and now I go to a game, and Ron was sitting next to me and Andrew at the Duke game, and like we're cool. Like he, he probably doesn't even remember me. So I got. But it's just unbelievable. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that guy just made arguably the biggest shot in Ohio State history," and I'm and I'm at, and I'm telling him to get off the court. They <laughs> saved our lives for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. What do you? Well, I guess that's a good segue. What? That's like one of the greatest college basketball games of my memory. Growing up an Ohio State fan, what do you remember about that game? What do you remember? I don't care if it was something that Gio told you, if something Coach Mata told you. What do you remember about that game? I remember us just when Gio got in foul trouble, everybody was just in shock and all on the bench. And myself, I'm always optimistic. Like, we got it. We good. We about to win this. I don't know. For some reason, I just felt like we still was going to win. And that's when Mike started going crazy and basically got us back in the game with Greg at the end. And then uh, the the shot happened, basically. They they missed the free throw because if they make it, it's over. We have no chance. Uh, And then we came down. They coach put all the shooters in, and Ron Lou got the got the uh, pitch up from from Mike, basically finding them. If you as you can see, Ron was running to the ball like he was ready for it. And if anybody knows Lou, that's him. He he if what basically he says, "F it, that's him. That's just Ron Lewis. And he made the shot, and it was over after that. If you can watch the video, I'm on the sidelines, going crazy, probably like a 45 inch vertical up and down. So excited. I was gonna say, do you watch? Do you go back? Because I know I do, but, like, I didn't play in these games. I go back, like, if I can't sleep at night, I'm like, let me look up us beating Kentucky from my freshman year and watch the highlights. Do you do that stuff? I should. I should. I haven't. Uh, Really, probably the last thing I watched, sadly, was my my last college game. That's probably (laughs) the last that I watched. And that was randomly because I think Dallas was – talking to me about it this was probably some years ago that's probably the last time i watched it but that's i definitely need to do that i think i got a whole case of dvds but like i don't even know how to use it i gotta find a dvd player and stuff now. <laughs> it's worth it i'll be sitting in my room two o'clock in the morning getting all nervous and sweaty because i'm not sure if we're gonna beat purdue on the road when i know we it already happened and we won you know like it's it's worth it though like it makes me feel like i'm like dang i i can't wait for practice tomorrow and i'm like oh wait I, uh, i've I'm going to find the tapes. I got to show my son. Let him know. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, there we Speaking go. That's a perfect one. Speaking of your son, that's another good segue. You're basically a pro. You know, we I talked mean, about – I got connections. Yeah, absolutely. We, we talked about D. Russ for a second there. You yeah. had the greatest social media clip that I've seen in a while when, when D'Angelo gave uh, your son a pair of shoes at the game the other night. You want to give us the background on that because that's an – unbelievable story and picture it went everywhere it was all over twitter yeah uh yeah he said my son says he's famous now so <laughs> shout out to my boy maurice man that's my guy uh but no i was up there with him uh since i was home with, with my injury and then um 
I was I'm just getting ready to come back. So I'm like, you want to go to a game? And uh, the, actually, the team that they were playing against, OKC, one of my old teammates from France, uh, Teo Melodon, he was he was there. So I'm like, I'm going to come to the game and watch you play. And then one of the assistants on the team as well was assistant for me out here in France. So uh, I talked to ET earlier in the day, and uh, I told him that I was going to the game. And then uh, we, we basically got me into, in touch with D. Russ, and he was like, yeah, I'll hook it up, no problem, basically. And he got uh, his brother basically got us the tickets and stuff, and we went down to the game. Then afterwards, yeah, Reese was going crazy. I didn't know he was going to give him the shoes, but he, you know, walked up to him and stuff and gave them to him. So uh, it, it was great, man. That's about definitely Buckeye love to him. Always grateful for, for Buckeye Nation and the brotherhood that we have. But he he basically made my boy's day. So he tried to wear them to school the next day. So <laughs> I think he was a little excited. Um, another another player I want to talk about that you played with, Greg Oden. He, from what we can see, and Joey was around him a lot, obviously, he is a goofy guy. So I'm yeah. wondering if you got any good Greg Oden stories that maybe haven't hit the uh, hit the airwaves yet. Stories for stories for days. Right. I'll sell a book at Ohio State. It'll be <laughs> Well give us one. Give us the give us the epilogue. But Greg is a, a shy reserved guy from afar. Once he's comfortable with people and he knows you, he's one of the most down to earth, happy and silliest guys ever. So uh I love love that guy, man. He he's a he's a real one. But uh it's too many stories, like from people chasing him around on campus to uh, him talking about he don't know how to talk to girls freshman year. <laughs> <laughs> it's so many stories, man. But uh, through them all, Gio ha- has been nothing but a great person on the court and off the court. And uh, I- I, like I said, the-, the brotherhood and friendship that we have is is, is lifetime for that one. So follow-up question to that. Um I got caught in the trap of, you know, if, if I was out getting dinner with like Kata, people would come up to Kata, ask for pictures, whatever. And I would end up taking the picture. Mm-hmm. Did you ever take pictures for Gio and Mike and all these people being like, Oh yo, this was before phones, right? <laughs> hey, hey, no, this was a sidekick stage. So like the social media was just beginning. This is, this is true. It's crazy. You say that. Cause I, I had a sidekick and then uh, everybody had like a razor. So we we just started taking pictures. It was terrible definition. Couldn't see nothing, <laughs> but uh, for sure. Like we would literally be walking to class and people would be following Greg <laughs> on campus, having them sign stuff. Like literally my whole freshman year, we couldn't talk to media because so many people wanted to talk to Greg and our Thad five group that we, that we had coming in. Too, too funny. I mean, Obviously, that guy, like, even when I was in school, obviously, he was taking classes again. So, like, I would see him crossing the oval or going to class or whatever, thinking it's the funniest thing ever, and he's still getting mobbed. I mean, like, probably even probably even more so now because, like, everyone knows that Greg Oden's coming back and, like, you know, he sticks out. Like, it's Gio. Like, oh, for sure. Greg was a rock star. Greg was a rock star, literally. But from, from I'll say this, from Greg's, first month in college when I was talking about he doesn't know how to talk to girls to our last months before they went to the drafts and stuff, he walks into places literally 
walks here, walks back. It's 40 million people following him. Like he can't go anywhere and be by himself or just enjoy his time when he was at the end of camp, at the end of his time. It's unreal. I guess the other guy that's kind of missing from that team, he's like the sixth of the Thad Five is is Mark Titus. And um, yeah, Mark came on late. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, uh, I, I mean, you had as much time as anyone with Mark. So you got to have all the Titus stories. Oh, my goodness, man. It's a, it's a whole bunch of Titus stories. I call him Lil Will Ferrell. Uh, that's, that's a great guy, though. Uh, Mark. <laughs> Mark. Mark the Shark and the Villain. They had some, some stories. For, for days, for sure. I mean, he puts some stuff in the book, too. Shout out to him for showing me love in the book as well. Uh, put me in, Coach, if anybody hasn't read it. Go do that one. <laughs> and then uh, for him, and then uh, my guy DJP down in Xavier. Shout out to DJP, Danny Joe. Um, <laughs> those three guys had some, some stories. They was always going at it. Unreal. Unreal. So, Sorry, go ahead, Andrew. No, I was going to ask a non-Titus thing. So were you sticking with Titus? Well, I was just going to say the greatest Titus story that I ever heard was from Coach Rich, where Titus came back from the Indy 500 and was so sunburned that he could not lift or play basketball. And Coach Rich said, he's, first he said, Titus, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, get over there and bench press. And Titus he literally His skin was, he was like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he crazy. Took- he took off his shirt and showed Coach Rich, and Coach Rich was like, all right, never mind, you're, you're good. <laughs> I say I was there when he jumped in Mirror Lake freshman year. Oh, my. <laughs> Crazy. If somebody has that that picture, he has a thong on and a, uh, and a mullet, I think. That, that was the tightest for you, sums it up. Oh, man. So my, my, my last question about, you know, kind of pre-David Lighty of today and what's going on with the team now <laughs> – so in today's day, people wear number 23 because of MJ. They wear it because of LeBron. They wear it because Jimmy Butler, Draymond Green. Like, there's a lot more 23s now. So I'm curious why you wore number 23. And I have a follow-up to it. Oh, for me, it was growing up was MJ for sure. It was MJ. That was, that was my, oh, my goodness. <laughs> the one. He was the one. Uh, but then... Uh, it's actually, it was other numbers that I couldn't get, though, that I wore 23 in, in college. Uh, my first number ever was 23, of course. I literally, in like fourth grade, we had to draw on the back of white T-shirts, and I used to make my, my jerseys out of T-shirts and cut them and stuff, and I had 23, Lighty, and all that drawn up on it. But then uh, Iverson was my second favorite after that, so I got number three. And then in, in high school, they gave me 35. I don't know why he just gave me 35 and I like, I just stuck with 35. I mean, I was a freshman coming in and I ended up playing varsity and doing pretty good. So I, they gave me 35 and then I stuck with it. But uh, Larry Brad has his number retired. So I couldn't wear 35 in, in, uh, in college. So I, I ended up choosing 23 because Ivan Harris had number three. So my, fo- my follow-up to that was, do you feel disrespected because Zed Key's dealing with it now? Do you feel disrespected that there's like a 23 James jersey, but like you're the Ohio State 23? You you know what's the funny thing? Somebody literally texted me a jersey literally last week. 
with James on the back of it. It's like the dark, dark gray ones that they have. I guess they're selling them in the shop. He said, they should say your name, but I guess. <laughs> but I mean, nah, come on, that's Bron, man. That's a tough one. That's Bron. I mean, well, you, what's that, your, what's your relationship with him? Jersey. Right. In yeah. So it's like, <laughs> ain't much you can do about that one. What um did does did, did Zed have to call you or text you to be like, hey man, let me wear twenty three? Is that cool with you? Because I don't even remember another twenty three like when I was in school. Nah, I had uh, Amir. Amir was twenty three or thirty two. Oh, right. Twenty three. I don't know how all the big guys got twenty three. I don't know where that one came from. I think Amir but, was twenty three because of how much he played like MJ. Uh, <laughs> That's probably so. That's probably so. <laughs> but yeah, I, anyway, it's just it's up for grabs now. Basically, anybody can get it, man. Just go out and work hard, and represent the number right is all I can say. Just just go out and getting wins for us. That's all that matters for me. Yeah, there's there's no doubt that that Zed represents that number, uh, you know, as well as anybody could. Talk about a fan favorite and favorite teammate. I guarantee you when we're interviewing EJ Liddell in seven years, he's going to be like, Zed Key was my favorite teammate. For sure. that, that's going to be all of them. They say he does it all. Right. hundred <laughs> um, percent. How, how, obviously the fact that you were home helps, how much are you able typically to keep up with the Ohio state teams during the season? Obviously time changes and time zones make it difficult, but how locked in are you to Ohio state hoops since you've left school? Oh, for sure. I've been locked in uh, ever since I left, always keeping in touch and then being back in the summer times, working out in Columbus uh, and being with the guys as well. Uh, you, you know, you just build a relationship with, with the team and uh, year after year is basically what happens. And, uh, you know, knowing guys on the team still to this day, uh, literally watch the game. Uh, like I said, shout out to Jake Diebler getting his first win. Uh, but it's uh, every year, man. That's 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 a given. I'm going I'm going to be following the team and interacting and and making sure the guys are doing right. Like you said, it's a a brotherhood for a lifetime. So, when you watch this team now, what do you think some of the things that uh, make them click are? And then on the other end, when you watch the team, you said you've been back in the states a little bit, so you've had some time to watch. I assume. Start with the good things, but what are some things you're like, man, if only they could do this or if only they could do that? Uh, well, it's crazy because the game is so different now. Oh, my goodness. From when we played or when I played in the Big Ten and going, dang, on 15 years. Almost. So it was literally like you play in Wisconsin all the time, except, except for when we played Michigan State. They were they were literally the only probably other team who was trying to get up and down. Um, but the team that – the explosiveness that they have, like they started the other day versus Northwestern like that, you see the flashes of that and you want the consistency of it. But then you look and guys are still young. Guys are still new. They still haven't built the chemistry, you know. So month after month, I see. I think you can see it getting better and better. But then the COVID stuff happens. That, that takes a lot out of you and trying to find a rhythm again. So, um, I mean, you, you commend the guys. You can see that it's there. Uh, but the only thing for me – bad I should say or negative I should say is uh up and down too much I think it's up and down too much like we get up 15 or 10 or something then we take our foot off the gas a little bit and let teams 
get back comfortable into it. So, I mean, that's that's just a learning curve, though. So we'll see, you know, how it goes the rest of the season. You're, you obviously were the guy that was more often than not guarding the other team's best player. Um, what? I, and the reason why I say that is because defense is clearly the struggle for this team. You know, they scored 95 points or whatever against Northwestern. That should win you every game by 20 points, right, if you're playing hard on defense. If you had to tell Holtman and, and Diebler, who is the defensive coordinator, so to speak, for Ohio State, if you had to give them one thing for defense that you took as, you know, your hallmark for the defensive end, what would you tell them? Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's mean, it's cliche, but it's the details. It's the, the little things. I mean, and at the end of the day, we're kind of undersized. We kind of play small ball. So the rebounding as well, but that goes to being fundamental and doing the the essentials. Like those are non-negotiables. You those are are given when you're on the court. You got to box out. Is uh, not letting your man go left when we basically told you all week. You know he's going to try to go left type of thing. Those things have to be consistent throughout the game. The forty minutes we used to call them four minute wars. Uh, that that's what you want to do. Have those little games within the game and win each war and you're not playing against uh what the score is you're playing against yourselves trying to get better for later on you know down down in the season that's what was our mentality i should say when, when we played so oh i just had a good question but it just left my mind let me see if i can get it back all right i got <laughs> it i got it all right i got it what's your what's your go-to like Hey, back when I was at Ohio State, we had to do this. You guys don't have it bad at all. Oh, my goodness. It's too many. They live in life down there, man. Oh, my gosh. We we, we say we kind of paved the way because I, was, I wasn't even there for the, the new gym. So I didn't. we didn't even get to experience that. So we were like, oh, you guys are welcome type of thing. <laughs> oh, that's – I mean – I, I say stuff like the, the Coach Rich stuff, like the circuits and the five miles of five in the morning, all that stuff. But, like, for me, it doesn't even – I don't even count because, like, it's just so different. But we can go on and on about that stuff. Andrew, you got anything literally else? Everything, everything is different now. Literally everything. I mean, we can even – I mean, NIL. Like, come on. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. A bajillion dollars. What they're allowed to do, what they get, how they're living, yeah. all of it. Like, Coach Mata made us stay in the dorms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like we had it here you were yeah. locked in i've i've one last question my last question in all your years of playing have mm-hmm. you ever missed a free throw on purpose because you saw that your sub was at the scorer's table and you would have been subbed out if you made the free throw <laughs> ask evan he's gonna say yeah because i always miss free throws in college <laughs> like it's either i made them all or i missed them all so for me no, I, I didn't do that one. I didn't do that one. After freshman year, shoot, I played probably 37 minutes a game. So it was time for, it was time for me to go sit down. <laughs> I was probably tired. So it was it was time to rest. All right, my, my last question. Um, one guy that you never got to play with who came after you at Ohio State that you wish you had a chance to play with, who would it be? Oh man! You can't you can't say me. That came after me that I didn't get to play with. 
I mean, I I, I guess you could say D. Russ. Either easy answer. I say D. Russ or or Jay Sean. Because I, I think how he played would have fit fit with our our system type. Definitely. So I would I would say him. I just thought of one more question. It's more of an idea, though. <laughs> All right, last one. Uh, so, I think it would be too hard to, like, retire a player from your era. Like, you can't really retire Buford's number and not retire your number. Like, you would say Kraft and Sully, but then it's like, hey, Conley's been in the NBA for for 10-plus years. Like, how are you not going to his number? Just make, just make an honor, honor ring, basically, yep. and just – Put that number with it, like you were. And it's the guys from your fresh. It's the guys from your freshman year to. We'll cut off it at like Deshaun Thomas. That's the, and you and you put it up there, and people can wear those numbers. But it's like, hey, you better be as good as as those guys up nah, there. Yeah, for sure. I feel you. it was so many to to come through there at that time, like you said. So, for sure, I definitely understand. That. I think some I've seen football teams or somebody do that before. Not really sure, but it's not retired, like you said, but like a, a honor or something like that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But that definitely, that definitely would be dope. I, I love the idea of the Ring of Honor. That's genius. That's something like I'm gonna bring up honestly. Like I think that's such. Give me a good credit. Idea. Give me credit. Yeah, will Andrew? Trust <laughs> me, they know you over there now. They'll they'll know they'll know it came from you. Um, After they, like a losing streak, they'll do it. Like they lose a few games, it's like all right, we gotta get. Lighty back in the building, like get the crowd hyped up. <laughs> I got you. That's that's true. That's that sounds dope. That's perfect. I think it's a great idea, Dave. Before we let you go, we end every interview the same way on the show, and we basically just flip the tables, turn the tables on you, give you the mic, and let you ask any questions that you've been dying to ask us since this interview started. Hmm. This is uh, this is a good one. Thanks. I would with. The uh, the greatest moment off the court in Ohio State history for you, I guess I would say. Um, whew. well, that's that's every moment for me. Yeah, <laughs> my moments have been off the court. <laughs> um, great question. I uh, two different things. I would say going to the NCAA tournament, just like. Just that trip, it was just insane. My first year, we were followed by cameras. We were given tours of our hotel room. We were, you know, we after we won the game, we stayed up and watched all the games with the coaches, like all of us together watching all the games. Like that was just a blast. Um, I think beyond that, like going to the PK-80 tournament was really, really cool where we got to, you know, tour Nike's campus and meet Phil Knight and all that stuff. Doing our foreign trip. Yeah. Unreal. Do, doing the foreign trip um, where. Oh, my foreign trip was amazing. We went to unreal. Canada, but it was amazing still. Yeah. We went to Spain and it was just ridiculous and just so much fun. Uh, one specific moment, which I think is, is a little bit unique, like a unique way to answer this question, is obviously a lot of the stuff that I did was different than, say, a Kate Bates, the opera, Jay Sean Tate, or. EJ Liddell, the list goes on and on, right? Like I was the off the court guy. So 
the, we had a huge game against Iowa at home my senior year. Uh, at one of the last home games, not senior night, one of the last home games and a game that if we won, Iowa was ranked. If we won, it basically all but cemented us in the NCAA tournament. Huh. And uh, it was the game where Justin had 30 as a freshman, um, which was insane. But what I did was I went to the creative team at Ohio State and I said, hey, can I, I have an idea for a pump-up video. Um, can we can we can we make it? And they were like, absolutely. So we shot this video of me like walking from the locker room, like past the uh, training room, past the hockey locker room, all the way out to center court, and like giving this monologue about like how important Ohio State is to us and how important the fans are and blah blah blah. Uh, and it just went nuts, and the stadium was like sold out, and we won the game. And like, you know, obviously I'm going to just sit here and say it was all because of me making that video, <laughs> it but, was. It was. But, but it was just like the perfect embodiment of my four years, like everything that I wanted to do and, and, you know, create this like brand for myself while also working my ass off playing basketball. It like all was capped by that moment and it worked out perfectly and my teammates loved it. And it was just like, we just goof about it. We, we talk about it to this day. Like, it's just such a funny video. And uh, I think that's, like, the most specific thing I could think of, like, off the court, funny stuff. That That's that's up there. I mean, it's just beyond the teammate stuff. That's what I remember about Ohio State is, like, being asked to make all these crazy videos all the time to get students to come to games and stuff. That's the memory stuff that you, you, you don't get back that you got to make last for sure. No doubt. No doubt. You got anything else for us? Um, <laughs> it's all right if you don't. We don't. It's hey, you, you, that's you a tough care. question. Tough question. I'll say experience. Who your first your first your first time meeting one of those guys that kind of was like your oh my gosh that's him moment at Ohio State. Um, I remember basketball, football, anybody it doesn't matter. I um I remember I remember meeting Urban Meyer the summer going into my freshman year. That was insane. Um I yeah, remember we had him on the show. We had him on the show, like talk about full circle, it's hilarious. Um but beyond that, I do remember going on my first recruiting trip and I was not recruited in the same way that you were. Coach Mata was not coming to my baseball games when I was in <laughs> high school. But um <laughs> uh Coach Sparts was recruiting me. And he's not even, he wasn't even an assistant coach, right? So a little bit different. But I came to practice and meeting all the coaches for the first time as a freshman in, or uh, as a senior in high school, gotten growing up just, I mean, like being obsessed with guys like Greg Paulus and Coach Mata and all these guys and worshiping, like, you know, Sam Thompson's on the court and I'm from Chicago and, and all these guys. Like that experience being at practice for the first time was insane and meeting coach Mata and him like saying Joey it's great to see you before I could even say my name I was like what is going on like this is insanity so that's that's for me Andrew has even better moments because bringing him onto this podcast and having all these guys come on the show and him meeting them in person he has a hundred of them and I think I know Andrew's answer oh who's the top who's the top one well, I have an answer that that predates the podcast. Do you remember when the Big Ten tournament used to be in Chicago? Mm-hmm. For sure. So one time, Sully, 
I was like the biggest, biggest, biggest Jared Sollinger fan because I was a little, I was a little thick. I've said this exact speech <laughs> many times. I was a little thick, so I kind of like it was a role model, you know. I and, got you. Yeah. And I, I see him from across the United Center. I'm at the Big Ten tournament. I'm like, I'm I see the section, blah blah. I'm like, I'm going and I'm getting a picture with him and I'm saying what's up. And I like walked all the way around the arena and I went down. I was like, Sully. And he was like, waved me down. And the person at the United Center was like, whoa, 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 you can't go down there. And he was like, no, he's with me. And she oh, was they like, was right. hating. Oh, oh, is he going to let you through? Okay. He's like, all right, go ahead. And I took a picture of those. That's, that was my first experience. And that was like 15 years ago or whatever it was. <laughs> but then on the show, Joey, I don't really have, I mean, all those guys in person were, were crazy tbt the year you guys won we were like in the lobby with all you guys yeah that was yeah that was, everybody came up too literally that day that day was crazy when we were like when i was just like hanging with everyone in the lobby so i'd say that day i got you i got yeah, you we, we uh we were going over to interview Kraft, diebler and Sollinger all separately for the show um and i andrew being the Sully fan that he was, was texting me all day. He's like, hey, man, like, what? you know, I'm all nervous. I'm this, I'm that. Clearly, visibly nervous, but he was fine, you know. That, but, you know, he showed up wearing a polo, and, like, he's looking all official. He was so nervous. And it's just funny to look back, because now when Andrew sees Sully, they're, like, best friends. But before, it was like, it's just, it's just, it's very I, I, Nothing, Nothing like that, though, man. Definitely, definitely. I understand. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, Dave, we appreciate you, man. This was awesome. This was incredible. Um, I'll make sure to send you all the links and stuff so you got them. And uh, no, no, man. Like you said, we've been trying to do this, so we. Oh wait. We has had one, some- one more thing. Yeah, yeah, no problem. One more thing. So I told you we we posted on Twitter today, and we said, "All right, Buckeye fans, if you can guess who we're having on tonight, he'll give you a shout out." So this guy, Stefan or Stefan, at Steph underscore 24, guessed it. So will you will you say, hey, at Steph underscore 24, congrats on guessing that I was on the show. At Steph underscore 24, congrats, you guessed it right. Me, the lighty, the one and only. <laughs> congrats, man. Unreal. Unreal. Perfect, man. Well, we appreciate you. You're the man. We'll do this again sometime soon. No, thank y'all. Definitely had a good time, too. Man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Get healthy. Good luck the rest of the yeah. year. And uh, we'll be in touch. See, see this last go-around for TBT, man. <laughs> All yeah, right. Man. We're holding we'll, you to that. Yeah, we're looking All forward right. to it. Yeah, me too. We need some revenge. Yes, oh, sir. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks, All right, you. y'all. Bye. Bye. All right, we hope you enjoyed this extended episode, long interview with Lighty, some long, big 10 talk. Ohio State has Penn State at home this Sunday. We'll be hype about it. You should be too. Before we go, Joey has a quick little message. Joe, back over to you. Yeah, um, as unfortunate as that Wisconsin game was, the Indiana game was a little bit more unfortunate, as I alluded to earlier in the episode, a complete stinker. Um, And... What I, what I did with one of my closest friends, Mr. Matthew McPartland, was I told him, 
I don't want to bet on the game. I don't feel great about Ohio State's chances in that game. As we know, nights in Assembly Hall don't always go well. Some nights you're just not going to win. So what I said was if they do win Indiana, I'll read a statement for you on the podcast. And that's how we're going to end this episode is with a statement from Matthew McPartland that reads, for immediate release, Indiana is one of the greatest college basketball programs of all time, period. While they have been both good and bad in recent memory, under Coach Woodson, they are destined to return to glory. To be the best in the Big Ten, you need to win road games and take care of business at home. Tonight, meaning January 6th when they played Ohio State, they took care of business at home against the Ohio State University, but they did. They, but they need to do both moving forward. Under Trace Jackson Davis, Indiana has the potential to return to its rightful place among the top in the Big Ten, but it takes consistency. This was a big win for Hoosier Nation and the Mike Woodson era, but it must be sustained. And I agree with that. And he could have said something much more vulgar, and I'm glad he didn't. So shout out to you, Matt. Um, if you listened all the way to the end, good for you. Good for anyone listening all the way to the end for that reason. And uh, that's Trace all we got. Jackson Davis hasn't missed tonight. Three for three. And they're probably. Gonna, I was going to say I'm going to guess at least a few. I, I, I don't. I know. I don't want to go down this road. I don't want to. He is the least impressive dominant player ever. Like he just dunks, but like no one can stop him. But like he just dunks. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Kobe's he's, more he's impressive. Averaging tw- he's averaging 20 a game, and he. Tw- it has to be five dunks a game at least. Like holy shit, he just dunks the ball. It's just so. It's just if he's the Big Ten Player of the Year, I I'll cut off the tip of my pinky, <laughs> Big Cat style. Not actually though. Wow, he's he's averaging fucking nineteen point four and and eight point seven. Those are yeah. some numbers. Yeah, but he just dunks like EJ Liddell doesn't just dunk. He's averaging twenty and eight and four and three blocks. Like frick, whatever. Let's end it. Let's get out of here. All right, buckle up, drive the lane. Go, ball guys. <laughs>